And we are live here with the Asset Estate Podcast, real estate podcast, everything real estate. I am your host, Adam Lopate. Today, we have a very special guest, someone that's making uh, seven figures in real estate yearly. Obviously, we're here to make money. That's that's what we do. Uh, before we bring on you know, our guest here, I got a quick story update on my life, just kind of the nitty gritty, how things work in real estate. You know, obviously we're here like to make money, like I said, but there's a lot that goes into making money. And uh, so today uh, I'm wholesaler. Uh, I'm out. Uh, I reach out to a seller. Everything seems casual. He says, you know what? You want to just go buy the property and take a look at it. You know, I'm running the numbers here on my side. Everything looks great. And uh, it looks like I could potentially be making, you know, upwards of 50 to 60K on a wholesale deal on this. And, you know, when you see these, your eyes light up. Uh, but no words are better true than if it sounds too good to be true, it's usually too good to be true. So I show up to the house and the guy that answers the door, he's the tenant. He's been living there for 20 years. Um, he lets me in very soft spoken, warm, welcome, very gentle guy. I would say the words to describe him would be gentle. Um, come on in, Adam, no worries. You know, yada, yada, yada. I'm walking through and honestly, the best way to describe this house uh, this guy is a contractor by trade. It's like Inspector Gadget. Like this guy has built in things to the house that probably shouldn't be there. And the front steps are falling apart. You know, he's got a door with a lock code to get inside the kitchen with a keypad you put your finger on. But, um, you know, the bathroom's got a hole in the, in the floor. So he's he's fixing things and putting things in that, that shouldn't be there. But he's got really cool things in there, uh, almost like Inspector Gadget. Um, so, you know, we're walking through, I'm looking at the property. Obviously this thing needs a lot of work. You know, my, my level of excitement went from a 10, I'm at, at, at a five at this point, um, realizing that, you know, this was too good to be true at this point. I've already decided in my mind, uh, this is not the house for me. It's not a good deal, but I'm still going to go through the motions with the, with the tenant here. I'm not going to just cut them off and leave. Uh, so we're walking through, like I said, again, um, I go upstairs, uh, everything, you know, again, on the bike bottom floor it's things I've seen before, you know, here, no here, no there. I go upstairs and without any sort of warning, nothing at all. I walk, you know, he opens up the door to one bedroom and the site I saw in there was absolutely terrifying. Um, again, he's, this guy is calm as, as could be cool as a cucumber opens the door and there's no furniture in the, the room. All there is, is one guy laying on the ground with just boxers on Again, not on the floor or not on a bed, no dressers, nothing, just on the floor. And he's having like this, like this sort of episode where he's clicking his mouth and moving his arms at the same time, almost as if he's on crack or smoked some sort of drugs. And uh, the the guy looks at me as I'm like my eyes, you know, completely open. What, what the hell is going on here? And he says, don't worry, that's just my son. Um you, you know, you're going to come in the room and look at it. And I was like, you know what? No, I've seen enough. I'm just going to head out. And, um, you know, I get in my car. I'm like, what the hell did I just, did I just see? And, uh, I called the seller up to let him know. I said, I said, I'm not interested. Yada, yada. I tell him the story and he starts laughing. I said, bro, what are you laughing at? What'd you just send me into? He goes, you know, for the last 20 years, I joked about this with my wife that, that the owner of that property was a serial killer that, this, he's just way too soft-spoken. He, uh, 
you know, I haven't been there in 20 years. He pays rent on time, but he's just way too nice not to be something strange going on. And and I'm like, bro, you're going to send me into a house with a serial killer. And he's, uh, and he's, you know, he's laughing. I'm laughing. Luckily, nothing ended up ever happening. But I guess the moral of the story here is, uh, you know, going to an appointment, seeing the property in person really tells the full story. Photos don't, you know, photos give you an indication what's going on, but not the full story. Um, and you never really know until you actually get there. So don't count your chickens before they hatch um, and, you know, get out there and do your due diligence. Again, we're here to make money. Um, guess we're going to bring on today is, you know, it seems as though he's he's good at making money in this industry. So, you know, without further ado, we got Michael McDonald here, uh, $2 million in revenue in 2022. Uh, that's some money. That's some big money. Michael, welcome, brother. Appreciate you, appreciate you coming on. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Adam, it's good to be here, man. Um, I appreciate the the story and I can definitely relate. I've walked a lot of houses over the years and saw some pretty interesting things. So um, I'm happy to be here and excited to yeah provide some value today. Cool. Well, listen, bro, before we before we jump into the crackhead stories, I know you probably got a lot and uh, you're you're in the Vegas market, right? I am. So I yeah, I moved here three years ago from Nebraska. Um, that's where I'm born and raised and um, been rocking and rolling virtually ever since. Do deals all over the country. Interesting. This man goes from Nebraska to Vegas. That's like that's like hot to cold. That's like all the way to this side of the scale, all the way to this side of the scale. How, how is that move? And why? what brought you to Vegas? Yeah, man. So um, the move has been awesome. I love it out here. It's a lot of fun. My wife and I, um, about three and a half years ago, decided that you know, after spending 20 some years in Nebraska, we were tired of the Nebraska winners. And, you know, we had an opportunity to kind of quit. I quit my job simultaneously to selling my house and, and then decided to move across the country as if all of that wasn't exciting enough. And so I uh, decided to make that leap of faith, man. And it's been a journey ever since. What it really allowed me to do, Adam, is it, it allowed me to like force myself to build up a team because I had a business in Nebraska before I moved and I removed myself from the business in the day to day. I could not go walk and see properties anymore, but all of my contacts were still there. So I, I moved across the country and, and uh, like I said, Vegas has been amazing ever since uh, we've just been growing ever since we moved out here, but uh, the scenery's better. The weather's better. Um, life is good, man. Love it out here. Awesome. Love that for you. And, and I like how you said you kind of just got to throw yourself into it. Like, you know, I hear a lot of, you know, me specifically with my story and, you know, we can go into that deeper later. Um, and just everybody, you just got to just kind of take that leap of faith. It's it's scary. It's big. It's bold. And you the unknowns are unreal. But when you take that leap of faith um, and I like how you said that, you, you know, you moved to Vegas and it forced you to get a team because now you just didn't know people. You didn't have a team like you once had, you didn't want to walk properties when you're doing virtually, you know, you rely on your team to bring you that information. So, so let's dive into it. What's your, what's your main bulk of business? Is it wholesaling? Is it real estate investing? What, what exactly are you making that money doing? Yeah. You know what? Um, after I decided to quit my job, I met my business partner after I wholesaled him about six houses working uh, full-time at a job, made more money, uh, part-time wholesaling him, those deals than I made at my full-time job that year. And at that time I realized that, you know what? Um, I need a way to capitalize on maximizing these deals because I didn't want anything to do with flipping. 
Um, I was really good at finding off-market properties and that was what I wanted to focus on. And so I met my business partner who also quit his job the same time I did. And to get back to your question, he had been flipping houses. And so we came together. Um, now we flip probably 50% of the deals that we, that we come across. And then we uh, cherry pick maybe 10% and then we wholesale the rest. Um, so right now it's about that uh, type of a balance. And um, really what that allows us to do, man, is it, it allows us to really juice all the deals that we come across. I mean, you've probably felt this before. Maybe you had a $5,000 wholesale on the table, but you knew if you put that property on the MLS or if you flipped it, you could maybe make a $35,000 profit versus a five. And that really is what has allowed us to scale is by juicing each one in every deal. Yeah, it's like having different weapons in the arsenal, right? You got to you gotta know that every single situation, every deal has its own caveat, its own this, its own that. And the way you kind of tackle that specific lead is, you know, there's is, is different every single time you get a lead. And you never know what you're going to do eventually, you know, at first until you start to dive in. And the more weapons you add to the arsenal, like you said, the more different ways you can creatively make money and maximize the profit of that specific lead. There's a lot of leads, you know, when I first got started where I could have just threw that lead away because at first when I looked at it, it really didn't mean much to me. And once you start to realize really the potential of all the leads you have and you can monetize and make money multitude of different ways with any lead, as long as they're obviously not asking $40 million over the asking, you know, what the general value is, you know, that's where you start to become stealthy in this business. Yeah, man. I mean, being a uh, investor and not only just a wholesaler is what allows people to do this business long term and um, really build wealth. You know, I know your your podcast, it, it seems like it's big on, you know, not just wholesaling, but also building wealth, too. And I, I remember my first deal. I paid, I, I, I was paid $500 for a finder fee and that house was a minimum of 25 to $30,000 profit on flip. And so had I known or partnered with somebody who knew what they were doing, I would have made a lot more money. But, um, at the end of the day, man, that's how you learn. And so for anybody listening, you know, don't be afraid to make a little bit of money on your first deal, but also don't be afraid to reach out to somebody who knows what they're doing and how to maximize that deal. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. Reach out to people, you know, I don't know everything. You know, there's some days where I feel like, you know, I'm completely in, in the dark of what, what's going on. And you, that's what you do. You reach out to the people that are doing it right. The people that are experienced that have done it before. And they're the ones that give you the best answers. That, that's what I'm good at. Making friends of people that have the answer or know what they're doing. And I just go out and find opportunities. And then I connect with those people to say, hey, what would you do with this opportunity? And following exactly what they would do. Um, so that, that's awesome. It's, 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 it's just one of those games. It's like, uh, you know, it really is a game, right? Figuring out what piece goes where and how to, and how to play it. Um, so is the, the $2 million is strictly from wholesale or that's from, you know, fixing and flipping as well as, you know, the keeping the money and doing refinances and pulling equity out. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't count any of the funds from refinance proceeds. We have refinanced some properties this year. Um, but I would say it's 50-50. Uh, we've probably done a million in wholesale profits this year and we'll do a million in flip profits this year. So it's really about across the board. And then of course, we've picked up some assets along the way. We've cherry picked the best deals, uh, ones where you can 
pull out more cash equity and be able to reinvest that. Nice, man. Congrats on a big year, man. That's, that's, that's huge. Um, yeah, man. Appreciate it. So the, the million dollar question, the money question, how are you, how are you finding these deals? How are you able to go out and, and, and find as many deals as you are to be able to generate this much revenue, keep the ones you want? What's your main sort of strategy? Yeah. So for us, um, we're actually really big on inbound traffic and it wasn't always that way. Uh, in the beginning, I was pounding the pavements, man. I was knocking doors. I was cold calling. I was doing all the stuff myself. And, and really what it came down to is how can I scale this thing, right? How can I get more of a steady, predictable income? And what I realized is it's how many leads can I generate and how do I generate more leads? Well, I got to find a marketing channel that gives me a good ROI and then I got to go all in on that. And in the beginning, the marketing channel was bandit signs. You know, I was a bandit sign guy. I'd put out hundreds of bandit signs. I'd get calls. I'd close a couple of deals. I'd pay the bandit signs back. I'd pay myself and I'd keep going. Uh, nowadays, it's uh, things like TV. Uh, I run commercials all over the state of uh, Nebraska and in parts of South Dakota. Uh, we do Google ads. So we, we're pretty heavy in Google ads where, you know, obviously sell my house fast, search, somebody calls us. Um, website, traffic, SEO. So those are a few of our top performing channels. Uh, we still do a little bit of direct mail. We do some cold calling. It all works. Uh, now it's just, how can you be as efficient as possible and not burn out your team? Because in the beginning, you know, if you're doing it all, that's one thing, but now how can you scale and actually build a team and make them self-sustainable too? And so that's what we've been able to do um, as we've built up the pipeline is in, in the revenue. Um, we, we spend a lot of money to make a lot more money is the, is the bottom line. I mean, that's the way it's done is, you know, people are afraid to, to, to spend money. Um, how can I make a, you know, how can I be a millionaire tomorrow? Well, you probably got to spend a quarter million dollars to become a millionaire tomorrow, right? You got to spend money to make money. Uh, so don't be afraid to spend your money. Um, and whether you're, you know, initially making a return on that or just kind of learning along the way, um, you know, that's fine too, right? Not everything in equity or not everything in profit has to be monetarily. As long as you're learning a lesson or learning some sort of something you didn't know the day before, I think you're in, you're in the green, um, you know, the TV, the TV thing kind of, you know, get piques my interest because my biggest thing I tell people is, you know, how do you get so many leads at him? Well, the way you do that is you get in front of as many people as possible. Um, I text, right? Because I say, I always say to people, how often do you, you know, do you read every text that comes through? Well, I read a hundred percent of every text that comes through. All right, well, there's your answer. And, you know, it leads me to believe, you know, it leads me to you know, the TV commercial, what's everyone do? Everyone watches TV. So how do you get in front of as many people? You want to put yourself in a place that you're going to get as many eyes as possible on you with that question. Are you looking to sell your property? Um, so let's dive deep into a commercial. And, and again, the spending money to make money. And I'm kind of curious. Again, you can share as much as you want to share. I'm going to ask as much as I can ask. Um, pick, it, pick my brain, man. Let's go. Well, I'll, I'm an open book. So let's say how much do you spend on on one commercial, let's say it's a five minute skit. What do you think your cost is on that one commercial? Hmm. On a, honestly, you're the good thing is I don't have to know all this stuff and I don't, I, I I'm not going to just pretend like I know how much we spend on each commercial. What I do know is that we get a lot of commercials and that's all I care about because as long as the numbers work, that's all I care about. And so I'll tell you how much we spend on commercials a month. 
Okay, that's and, that's and then I can tell you what the return on investment is, okay? Can yeah. we do that instead? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a media buyer. He does everything. Um, I don't actually really care that much as long as I know I'm on the right channels, I'm in front of the right people, and I'm making money. So we've been doing commercials for about a year and a half. Uh, we spend a little over $13,000 a month on commercials. And with that, um, we're anywhere from a three to five um, ROI on that ad spend per month. Meaning, you know, and out of the gate, it's scary. You know, I, I, I was $30,000 in before I got my first deal. Um, what's pretty cool about that first deal is that I made a uh, six figure payday on it. So it, it uh, kind of kicked us out of the gate pretty, pretty good. But um, the best part about TV is omnipresence. Um, you are the authority. There's not many people who are running commercials who are buying houses. And so because we do it at a high level, um, people look at us as like, we're the authority. And like, I believe that we are the authority, which is why we're on TV. But at the same time, not a lot of people are going to spend $13,000 a month as a wholesaler to get onto TV. Um, and if you can, great. It's a fantastic exposure for your company. That's interesting, man. That's really interesting. Um, I, I honestly, my first, if you were to say like, Adam, take a guess, what do you think I spend? You're on TV, man. I was expecting you to say upward of 50K just to get on TV. You know, 13K sounds pretty cheap, to be honest. I, what do you, are you on ESPN? What, what, what channel are you on? No, CBS man, I, I agree. We're on all of like the news channels, like in any channel that... Um, your audience would watch not your audience like this podcast but like our demographic the sellers oh, like sure. the 40 to 60 age right. but um fox nbc those types of channels so we do come on you know in commercials during football games and like after the news and stuff like that wow yeah yeah so it's pretty cool and i think that's the everyone's initial reaction when i tell them the cost it's either you like have never been exposed to how much people spend in this business or you had this fallacy of tv costing millions of dollars to be on there and so it's like there's really no in between but i feel like it's not that expensive um in the grand scheme of things because you know like we i just told you we made a hundred thousand dollars on a deal so the the exposure to what you actually can make in this business is totally worth it as long as you know how to, you know, capitalize on those opportunities. Obviously, you probably don't want to just get started here and then start running TV commercials because, you know, that might not be the best use of your funds in the beginning. No, 100%. I could just imagine, you know, you're on the TV and, and you've never done a deal before and you get that first phone call. You're, like, eh, 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 you're stuttering. You're not sure how to get the deal. There. You're like, well, dude, you're on TV and you can't even talk to me on the phone. So I'd, I'd agree. I, I think definitely something that you should do when you're at that experience level. Um, but yeah, I mean, $13,000, you know, that's, you tell me, Adam, give me 13 grand, you'll make six figures in your first deal. Dude, tell me your wiring instructions. Tell me where to, where to send the money, you know? Right. It was a slow, it was a slow hundred thousand. It was a slow hundred thousand. I, I don't want anybody to think I got lucky because I've been doing this for four years and um, I've spent over a million dollars in marketing. And that's not exaggerating. I've spent over a million bucks in marketing over the last four years in this business. And I've gotten an ROI on it. 
some channels weren't the best others like tv um you know we keep, keep doing, doing it because it keeps working and so you know it's definitely it's definitely a good way to get exposure no a hundred percent um and again I, I i'd agree with you right we're, we're at a we're at a point now where we've done deals we know you know we have money in the bank to spend um you know i'm spending between 20 to 30k some months and i'm okay doing that again you know, my thing is, you know, my the average deal here in Philly, we and we can dive into Vegas, is between twenty to twenty-five to thirty k, right? A twenty-five k deal now is is a norm. Whereas you call me four years ago, it was a ten k deal, right? With with where the market was, you know, over the summer where it was hot, things were selling overpriced. If I can spend thirty k this month, all I got to do is do one deal to break even, and then the rest is profit. But when you're spending 30k, you again, we, and we're going to dive deeper with you. You got to assume you have multiple deals coming from that. At least you should, or you should reevaluate your marketing at that point. So, right. Let's dive in. 13k. Uh, we got your return. Um, how many calls would you say a month or weekly or whatever, however you want to break it down, come off of uh, off of just commercials? How many calls you think are warm leads? Like yeah. throughout the entire month, I would say we're anywhere from 40 to 50 after doing this for more than a year. Uh, keep in mind in the beginning when something's fresh and new, uh, your phone's going to ring a lot more than if you've been running like a broken record on TV for the last year sure. and a half. So sure. uh, that changed a little bit. It's It's slightly gone down, but it's still when somebody calls they're ready to sell and there's always going to be tire kickers, but I would say 40 to 50, 50 a, a month. Okay. And all right. So you get 50 phone calls again, it's costing you 13,000 bucks. How many of those will you think convert into either a lead that you're going to wholesale or are you going to keep for yourself? Yeah. So out of those, uh, half are probably pretty qualified, decent opportunities. Okay. And out of those, you know, we may close two, um one or two out of all those so it's not a high like it's not a high volume but we're cherry picking the best deals so you know we're not trying to just do a whole bunch of like volume just to do volume like we want to make sure that the spreads are, are good and our average spread is twenty five thousand, and so you know the bigger deals obviously help the return on that investment sure yeah so it's it's the similar thing here is I could probably do, you know, people say, well, how many deals do you do? Like, that's like how they gauge how well of a wholesaler. And I say, listen, I'm not the biggest wholesaler in the city of Philadelphia, but I would say I'm one of the best. Right. And uh, when, when you get to a point where, you know, you know, where we're at, you know, you kind of got to drop that ego. I don't care about doing 100 deals or the quantity. Right. I'm more a quality guy. Like if I can if I could do two deals a month and make two million dollars. You know, I think you're way smarter, way sleeker and, and way better of a wholesaler than the guy that's doing seven deals a month to make that same amount of revenue. You know, you're burning yourself out. You get tired. And not only that, you're opening yourself up to liability of seven different deals where you could just kind of focus on the good ones, maximize the profits on those, make the same amount of money and have way less headaches. Yeah, I would agree. Um, we definitely do a lot more deals, though, from other marketing channels. TV is not our highest volume of deals. Uh, we have, you know, I, I'd mentioned a few of them, 
but we have five pretty active marketing channels and we're getting deals from all of those um, every single month. And so, you know, we're pushing around a hundred deals this year. And so obviously, um, you know, there's lots of other flying parts, uh, moving pieces in, in, in that much volume. So even though we've done, we'll do a hundred deals this year, it's, I'm agreeing, I'm agreeing with, with you. It's quality over quantity. And, um, after doing a hundred deals, like I did it right. Like it's cool. Uh, but I would much rather do way bigger deals and less deals because it typically takes the same amount of bandwidth and you don't make your team like pull their hair out. You know, I have a couple of transaction coordinators and as you know, man, I mean, some of these deals are not simple. There's a lot of, uh, (laughs) there's a lot of things going on with some of these deals that we do. So the key is, is streamline as much as possible. For sure. And uh, I don't know how it is in, in Vegas, but here in Philly, it's like uh, these deals have um, these deals here have a lot of hair on them, I say. Right. Especially in Philly. It's, I don't know what ha- what the hell happened in this city, maybe because it's one of the oldest cities in the U.S. that it's just so backwards and so old like a dinosaur here. You know, you'd think the fifth biggest city kind of had their shit together. Philly, if you're listening, get your shit together. Um, but it's it is, you know. Again, no deal is an easy deal. And if, I always say if it was the easiest thing to do, I mean, dude, there's some deals. And it's funny because my biggest deal, I made 190K on a wholesale fee. That's my biggest ever deal. <laughs> That's insane. You know, that was the easiest deal I've ever did. The yep. thing was like, I was like wait, waiting for the title every time they call me. I'm like, all right, so what what what's what's what what are you about to drop on me? And it was like, yeah. nope, title's clear, seller's ready, already here, ready, ready to sign. I'm like you're just waiting on my bot. Like it was just, it was just the easiest thing closed in 30 days. And you know, again, the 10 K ones was again, why I focus on quality. You're chasing, you're chasing them down. Uh, let me ask what you this. wholesale Do you- deal doesn't have hair on it though. I mean, let's just be honest. True. Uh, the houses I mean, that were, I mean, I agree with you though, but the houses that we're buying, typically they're selling to us at an extraordinary discount because there is a problem. And so with, with that comes, some title issues and stuff like that. But I agree. I've definitely done some really small deals over the years. And those were always the biggest challenge versus the biggest ones are like, that was smooth. That was nice. Yeah. And, and I will say, you know, that's a good point that you make. The ones that do have more hair, you know, I got a guy that will specifically focus on probate leads with messy title. And yep. he focuses on those. And I, I tell him, bro, you're trying to age quickly. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to bald. What, what, why are you putting yourself through this torture? And he said, dude, I make six figures, you know, 50 K plus on every single one of these that I do. Obviously I'm doing more work and yes, they are stickier and hairier, but I know I'm going to make 50 K or more on all these. And, and these are the ones that nobody wants to touch. So mm-hmm. they're in abundance. So, uh, it, it's, 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 it's so true. Um, Tell me about the Vegas market. How is that market? Yeah, the Vegas market is ever changing. Now, let me just say that because we have not focused all of our efforts out here primarily because I was at one point spending about $7,500 a month on Google ads. And that was the same time that Zillow was buying. That was the same time that OfferPad was buying and all the companies. Um, and it seemed like we were always the third call. Uh, they would They would click... OfferPad, they would click Zillow and maybe even Open Door, 
And then they would be hoping that this, this one other company would be able to outbid these guys. And they were already paying 90 some percent of retail. And really what it became for a while, Adam is like, this isn't even worth it. Like I, I don't, I'm spending money to have to tell the seller, just take their offer because it doesn't make sense for our business model. And uh, all that to say that was then now is a lot different. And we're going all in on Las Vegas right now because of it. And how it's different is number one, some of these big hedge funds stop buying. Um, and that's a good thing for, for, you know, you smaller, uh, wholesalers out there is because there's less competition now. And so that's a good thing. And it opens up a huge opportunity for you to come in there and help these sellers out, but still buy at a, pr a price that you can still make money on and wholesale for. And so the Vegas market, man, is, uh, probably one of the top flipping markets in the country. There's a lot of activity and a lot of money moving from California here. And so, um, it went up like crazy. Um, earlier this year, and then kind of starting to slow back down a little bit since then. And uh, keep in mind, I say all that because I'm here and I and I have a pulse on the market. I do deals all over the country and specifically more focused in the in Nebraska market, but I I have a pretty good pulse on it out here too. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, man. I got I got a I got a bit ex bit excited when I heard that Zillow was kind of going downhill um, with their buying. They kind of uh, you know, bought things they shouldn't have bought. And it just puts a smile on my face. You know, they, they're just, you know, too big for their own good. They thought they could play games in the, in the big boy sandbox and tr turns out wasn't the case for Zillow. So RIP to them. Um, mm -hmm. But that's, you know, again, that's good news for us. Um, what's it like, you know, I, I'm going to jump, jump gears here because I've, I've heard a lot about you know, Vegas, obviously there's a lot of development going on. Why? Because there's a lot of land there. There's a lot of land to be developed. Um, again, a lot of people, you're, if you're following the trends, they're going from California to either Nevada or to Texas. Uh, and it's similar here on the East coast in a sense is that a lot of people from New York, which is I, you know, I call it the, the uh, East coast, California is, you know, they're, moving to either Philadelphia, which is good for my market, or they're going down to Florida. Um, and so you're starting to see that trend here. Um, do I like to see New Yorkers here uh, as much as I do? No, but they're the ones bringing the money. And uh, if, if they're bringing the money, you know, let them come, uh, I guess is my, is my philosophy. Um, you know, Kyle actually is, uh, you know, one of the guys here at Ashton uh, Estates. He, uh, moved from California to Texas. So he's one of the people I'm talking smack about right now. Um, what's it like in Nebraska market? Because, you know, we have people in this discord that, that come from all over the country, right? We got people literally Midwest, West coast, East coast. We even have people in different countries. Like we have people from great Britain. Uh, I see a lot of, um, you know, just coming from all around the world. And I never know how to, you know, give pointers to people in the Midwest. Cause my thing is always find a city city. You're going to find more distressed. You're going to find, you know, a higher population of people. It's easy to market. What's it like and what kind of advice could you give on, on wholesaling out in Nebraska in the Midwest? Yeah. I mean, it's no different. I think the, 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 the kicker is the, um, the thing you have to look for in any market is you have to, you have to know that there's, um, big businesses that are still staying there there's universities, there's colleges, there's there's a desire and a demand to, to live there, which ultimately means there's an opportunity for investors to make a profit. 
um, meaning that there are people flipping houses, so on and so forth. So it's no different than anywhere in the, in the world, the country. Um, but uh, the main difference is, is the housing prices are lower typically. Um, I know, you know, Missouri, Iowa, uh, you know, we, we have a house under contract for five grand right now. You know, I bought a house for a thousand bucks earlier this year. And so I, if you're hearing this and you're in California or you're in New York or something like that, obviously that's going to blow your mind. But uh, keep, in, keep in mind, guys, some of these houses are in the middle of nowhere where people just don't even want to own real estate uh, in a cornfield or wherever, right? But um, we just uh, focus on kind of the, the bread and butter, like the medium price points, buy low, sell high. Nothing else really changes. I've done deals all over the Midwest and the same concept applies. But I've yeah. also done deals in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> nobody wanted to buy the house. Big surprise, right? So, well, we're gonna have to get you in the Discord as a experienced role because we got a lot of guys out in the Midwest. And like I said, don't get me wrong, Philadelphia, you, you could buy houses for ten grand. You're not going to be in the middle of nowhere. You're going to be in the projects, but I, <laughs> I I consider that to be kind of similar in a sense. Um, places that a lot of people aren't trying to be. Um, and they bring these deals to me in the Discord, they're, they're, you know, five grand, one thousand dollars. I said, "All right, let's comp it out together." And you know, that's where you know we start to lose each other. Is um, well, there's not any homes within five miles of your house. Uh, so how am I going to comp this thing out when nothing has sold in this town in the last four years? And the closest thing that sold was thirty miles this way. So. Uh, I find trouble, you know, comping it out. It's just very different style. How do you kind of know in the middle of nowhere how to comp these things? How do you know what these things are worth? And how do you find the renters for these things? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the ones in small towns, we just don't, we don't even mess with. Um, because what will happen is if there's nobody buying there, then you're going to be sitting on that property for a while. And it's just not worth it unless you can just get it for um, literally 500 bucks or a thousand bucks or something ridiculous, right? Like, we just typically pass. Um, so we, ju we just don't do deals in those markets if we can help it. Um, however, when we do, we typically find a buyer who um, doesn't have the credit. And so we'll, we'll just be the bank. Uh, we'll just buy the house for cash and we'll just sell it for a higher price and then just say, hey, we'll finance it for you and collect a small down payment and then just sell it to them that way. So it's their home. Uh, we don't have to worry about uh, managing it like a normal rental property. And so that seems to work well in the smaller markets. You got to get creative with it. And we've done things like sold houses in small markets on the, uh, on the MLS and uh, have a real estate agent list it, novate the property and get creative with it. And so uh, we do all sorts of stuff, man. But uh, just whatever we can do to maximize the value is typically what we do. And a lot of times that means us not keeping the house because we don't want to own properties in these rural markets it works for some people but we don't want to do it yeah i like that strategy you buy it let's say for 500 a thousand bucks um you own it now um and then you sell or finance it as the bank to somebody else they'll put down a small deposit um which will cover probably what you put in and then some so you're making money and then you're making monthly interest uh, as they're paying payments to you that's right yeah, that's that's a killer strategy. That's that's some huge value. Um, and again, that just goes back to what we we spoke about earlier. Is you know every situation has a different way you can approach it, 
figure out which approach nets you the most amount in that given market, in that given area with that given situation. And, and that's the one you're going to take. So um, that's why I like, you know, podcasts. That's why we probably kind of brought these on because again, the way you're doing things, the value you can bring the strategies, I have my strategies, but that doesn't mean my strategies are the only strategies and you really got to learn from the experienced people and people over. So I appreciate you coming on and just kind of sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I think it's important just to not try to do it all at once. Um, like you, you should be, be a master at one thing in the beginning. And then as you start to mature as an investor is to eventually partner with somebody who might have done a deal like that before. Um, like my first creative finance deal, I partnered with somebody who had done creative finance. And yes, I gave away some profit, but it was better than not making a profit. Like it was better than not getting into that deal. And I learned so much along the way. And so it's just key to uh, have an open mind and, and realize that it's not just this or that. Like you can do you can do it all, but focus until you've learned and earned your keep to do it all. So what, what did that first deal look like? I'm kind of curious. Your first creative finance deal. Uh, first creative finance deal. Or your gosh. favorite. Let's just dive into your favorite, your favorite creative finance deal. Okay. Uh, favorite creative finance deal. Okay. So I got one in um, Omaha, Nebraska, and the seller was in his 70s, owned a duplex. And he was pretty stuck on a price and he had a cash offer for a little bit less. And we proposed, hey, you know, if we can make you this much money, if we can, if we can pay you this price, we'd need our terms. And he's like, okay, well, what do you mean? And so we're like, well, we can pay you $500 a month uh, as a retirement. Uh, keep in mind the property had two units and it was a purpose-built duplex, meaning there was two separate units and each unit rented for $700 a piece. So we proposed the $500 a month to him with a 10-year balloon payment. And so he accepted. He got the higher price that he wanted. Um, we had a low $500. We paid a little bit more than the cash guy would. And we're cash flowing about uh, probably 700 a month on that property after all expenses. And we were able to do that because we, he was the bank. So we're making payments directly to him. And in 10 years, we'll refinance the property. It'll be a higher appraised value. And over the next 10 years, we'll cash flow. So it was a, it was a win-win deal. And this guy was happy because he never has to think about this property again. He's just getting mailbox money. Yes, it wasn't as much, but he doesn't have to pay tax on it either. So or the, the gains on that sale right now. And uh, did you have to put any money down there? Zero money down. So. Yeah. I mean, that's a win. I mean, that's a win. That's a win-win for everyone. Exactly. Like you said, I mean, you're making 700 bucks a month, no money out of your pocket. You got a, You got ownership of the property. And, uh, uh, this guy's happy cause he's still making his monthly, you know, cash flow without having to do anything. And that's what, you know, you know, when you really start to get good at being a wholesaler or good as a real estate investor and entrepreneur, as, as I found is finding a situation that not just works for you, but also works for the seller. And once you get to that point where you could find a win-win for both parties, that's the only way a deal is going to come together. And I think a lot of people, investors specifically, and, and bad sellers and bad buyers alike, right, is they want to find the situation that only works for them, nobody else. And, and I say that to them. I say, hey, with all due respect, why do you think someone would buy this or do that 
if it only works for you and not for them, right? The person that's going to buy this, it also has to work for them. And let's work together to figure out where that is and what that is exactly, what that actually looks like. But you got to work with me here and, you know, just sometimes being straight, straightforward with, with sellers and just kind of throwing that at them. You know what, you know what, Adam, you do make a valid point. Who's going to buy this if it doesn't work for them as well. So kind of throwing that, that thrown in their face like that. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good idea. Um, too many people uh, forget to listen. You know, obviously you have to ask the right questions to get the answers you want. And so what I've learned along the way is like the the best negotiation is really asking good questions. Like that question you just asked is uh, made that seller realize that, hey, you're right. Nobody's going to do that. And if they do, hey, I encourage you to do it. Like that's fine. But um, what's what's a better alternative? So yeah, man, uh, there's a lot to be learned with how to speak to sellers and, and uh, negotiate the best deals and, and really giving them options, right? Uh, the cash deal is not a fit for 99% of the population. So what, what are alternatives to that? Obviously, we can talk creative. We can refer out to agents. We can do novations. I mean, we can do a whole bunch of stuff. But um, at the end of the day, what makes sense for that seller? A hundred percent. It's got to make sense for them, not just for us, but it also has to make sense for us, not just them. Um, so what, 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 if you're uh, giving advice to a younger person or just kind of a, a younger version of yourself, uh, you know, how to find that first deal now that you've seen everything you've seen, uh, you know, you're doing as many deals as you're doing, buying as many properties as you're buying is what, what, what would you tell yourself if you could go back and tell yourself something? how to get that first one done. Cause we all know the first one's the hardest. Yeah, it is. And I think really it would be, you know, pick one, pick one thing that um, you feel like you can stick with for several months and just not, do not give up on that. And for me, I would say driving for dollars was the best marketing channel ever because you don't have to guess if this person has a distressed house because you physically can see there's something going on with this house, right? So I would I would not do anything different, man. I would do driving for dollars and I would just pull those addresses. I would get those people's phone numbers and I would call them up and I would see if they have any interest in selling. And when they do, you know, you just need to have a plan of action for how to capitalize on that opportunity. And so that's probably one of the best ways, man, to get, like if you're in a local market that is, right? Um, and if you're not, you can pull lists from the county. Uh, the county has lists of people who are on those lists, code violations. Hey, they haven't mowed their yard. Uh, these people either forgot to mow their yard or they just have some sort of an issue going on. And those people are the people you should be reaching out to. Find the motivation and stick with it. Because I can tell you what, the, the first deal is the hardest deal. But once you get past that first deal, that was all you needed to know that this is a real business and it's exciting and it's super rewarding. So uh, just one thing, stick with it, never give up. Yeah, I see a lot of guys, uh, you know, I think with social media, I think social media is like it's great when it for what it's worth. But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it does a lot to our psyche as people is like instant gratification if it's not working right away, you're so quick to just change your route. And it's like, uh, I, I say like, you got to become a master at your craft and you got to figure out which route, like you got to pick one aspect of it, like one facet and, you know, driving for dollars obviously is like, 
that is like the originating method of finding good deals is like yeah. if you if you took my computer away you took my laptop you took my phone away you took away everything you know how are you going to find your first deal adam yeah that's exactly what i'd say is you drive around for dollars right and if you're not willing to drive around for dollars you know i don't think you're hungry enough to be in this business but um you know get good at one specific thing and then once you make some money you can start to again uh facet out to a, a other different you know avenues and, and different strategies and um you know people are just not patient and i think again social media is 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 isn't kind of did that to us it's to blame for that and um you know i i just see that a lot with with today's day and age is these kids just don't want to to wait or just don't want to put in that hard work yeah, you know, that's true, man. And where I see a lot of people kind of go wrong and they just give up, like you've probably heard the same, like giving up, like I think it's three feet from gold or whatever it is, right? People, um, maybe they get that deal, but they're like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I made all this, uh, I spent all this time, I spent this money and I got a deal and like I made a thousand bucks, like, or, or whatever the case is, like after all expenses or whatever. But that was the hardest part. Like now that you've done it, you can, keep going, but don't forget to reinvest back in your business. Because if you expect to run a business without having marketing dollars and leads coming in on autopilot, you're just not even running a business. And so you can hustle and bustle for as long as you want. But I can tell you, you know, after being in the business for four and a half years, you will get extremely tired. Um, I was, I, I puffed my chest up and thought I was pretty cool when I, in the beginning, I was just hustling i was pounding the pavements i was making the calls doing everything myself and i just realized like if i do this i'm gonna burn out if i do this forever and so um i guess the point is is do not be afraid to invest back in your business to grow your business because i'm not a one-man show anymore you know my team is out there hitting the pavements i have acquisition managers i have disposition managers i have a transaction team i have an operations person you know i have a team but it didn't always start like that. I had to invest back. I had to trust the process. It, it was always scary. Every single hire up to this point has been extremely scary, but it was a calculated hire to free back my time, which is why we all get into this business in the first place is to buy our time back. And so if you're doing this to make some, some quick money, um, that's, that's great. It's, it's a good vehicle for that. But if you want to uh, create a business that produces predictable income, and not require every single hour of your day, you've got to build a team. And that's not for everyone. You know, it's just not, and that's okay. But um, you got to ask yourself, why are you doing this? Yeah, that, that reason why is, again, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up is, you know, what gets you through those beginning stages? Why are you even doing this? Is it strictly for the money? Is it because you don't want to see your mom struggle anymore? Is it because you want to live a free life, right? That That's what, what got me through it? I reminded myself why I was here. Why am I even doing this? And stop focusing on that short-term quick gain and, and start to remember why you're here and what this could eventually turn into, right? When you first got into this, did you expect to be where you're at today? No, not at all. I mean, I had a vision for it, but until I found out my why, and by the way, my why, after I decided to put 50000 on credit cards, we didn't talk about this. <laughs> I put 50,000 on credit cards to get into the business because I didn't know how to do it. And I was willing to invest in myself. And that meant investing into a mentorship. Um, one of the companies that comes through town and pitches you on the three day event, and then they sell you on the one-on-one. -on -one. 
I bought it all. And I had zero money to my name after I did it. In fact, I was negative 50. And when I got home from that event, my wife said, hey, uh, I know that you're going to be able to do this, but um, just so you know, we're having a baby. And so um, to add <laughs> that to the equation, um, that was my entry to real estate. And it took me six months to get my first deal. And so it was a struggle at first. But dude, if I didn't have a why, if I didn't put myself like my back against the wall to some extent, I don't even know if I'd be here. But I'll tell you what, Adam, in the beginning, all it was for me was five grand. If I made five grand, I could quit my job. And that was all I wanted. And that quickly became 20. And that quickly kept growing and growing and growing. And like my business doesn't even operate for under 100,000 a month at this point. So we we have a team. We have, we have to, like, it's not like a desperation, but like in order to meet our overhead, we have to make 100K a month. And that just goes to tell you, I mean, ROI on, like business, you have to make X amount over that to make it justifiable to keep it going. Right. And it's, it's exciting because I never in my life thought that would be the business that I have. Like, it, yeah, I just don't see, I don't see too many people doing it. Like it's, it's really humbling and, and exciting to have created what we have. And, um, we're, we're going through growing paints, you know, it's like, going from, you know, 100K to a million, right? And then a million to two or a million to five and then from 10 to 20. Like it's big numbers, but it's just math. At the end of the day, how efficient can you be? And how much money are you willing to spend a month to bring in more opportunities for your team to capitalize on? Um, it's, it's just like, once I understood that, it was like, man, okay, perfect. Now, how much can I spend? Um, how much can I spend and still sleep at night? You know, I know people who spend, <laughs> I know people who spend a half a million a month on marketing and it makes me kind of freak out a little bit. I'm like, man, that is just, that's, that's a lot of pressure. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, hats off too, because I will say, uh, especially when you're first getting started, it's easy to find an excuse within yourself to say, Hey, listen, I gave it a shot, but I can't do this anymore. And I'm going to go back to that, that life, you know, the nine to five life because X, Y, and Z, and you know, you know, I don't have kids, but I'm telling you right now, having a kid and trying to do what I did in real estate when I first got started, you know, I could barely feed myself. So again, hats off to you because now you got, a, you got another mouth to feed and you're still trying to figure yourself out in this game. I mean, that's, you know, I'd say about 95% of people, uh, would make that excuse. I'm having a kid. I got to go back to my nine to five job. So, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of respect, you know, in that aspect. And, and the other thing is you said is, you know, your overhead, you start, you wake up on the first of the month at negative a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, uh, you know, and you got to make a hundred grand in that month before you even start to, you know, count your chickens. And again, that's just, uh, a lot of, you know, I wouldn't say stress, but it's a lot on your plate and, and to see, you know, how far and where it's brought in you and, and the success, success you've had. I just, you know, I love to see that, especially in this game, uh, you know, as people that, you know, I was down and out at one point in my life and to see where it's brought in me. It's, it's nice to see other people kind of take that ride and trust the process. And, you know, most importantly, believe in themselves to get there. Yeah, man. It's uh, for me, that was the biggest motivating thing is like, I, I just being being in a job was more painful than just going through the pain to get that first deal and um 
we were born to do big things, right? We're, we're, we're creators. We're, we're people who just like, we, we don't want to just sit and settle. Like people need to like get out of the day to day grind and just realize that there's so much more and you can work on your own dream. And if you're willing to just take a little bit of a risk to get started and just never give up, you can't fail. If you don't quit, you can't fail. So that's the biggest thing for people who are like struggling right now. If you're listening to this and you're struggling, um, just know that there's like you, you're one step, you're one deal away from changing your whole life. Like how powerful was that first deal for you? Oh my God. It was like, you know, you said it earlier, you proved to yourself, holy shit, this thing works and I can do this. Right. You, it's just like a sigh of relief. Didn't have to be a million dollar profit, but it's just like, all right, now I know, I know what I'm doing and I know I can do it what's next that's right yeah how can um, you yeah and it's funny because uh i think if i were to die tomorrow and they wrote me out in the history book my my biggest quote is i'd rather die broke than go back to work in my nine to five and uh i stayed true to that it was i'm gonna be broke and i'm gonna continue and you know we all know it's the people that are closest to you that are counting you out or you know ready to say i told you so and yeah. um yeah trust me i was it, it was tough i'd say the first two years is probably the toughest two years and once you if you can make it through those two years build that structure and, and get to where you want to get once you hit year three it's like oh you made it out you made it out of war you know that's right and then pretty soon everyone who doubted you starts asking you for a job so yeah Hey, how do I get into that little wholesale thing you were talking about for the last two years? Uh, yeah, it's funny how 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 life works. But you know, I I, I welcome that and I appreciate that. It kind of just you know puts a little smile on my face as well. Yeah, I mean, it's like, hey, now that now that we're here, um, I can show you the way rather than you know just sit here and talk about it. And you know, I'm, I'm passionate about helping people get started too. You know, especially you know, you just don't know what you don't know. And so it's always good to be able to have somebody to reach out to. And um, with the right approach, we got to we got to bring value, obviously, um, and, and whatnot. But it's, it's rewarding, for sure, to be able to help somebody else too. Awesome. Um, before we wrap up here, uh, you know, I'm gonna shoot my final question at you. This is one of my favorite questions, just to kind of wrap it up. I, I do want to bring you on again here in the future. I think you got a lot of value. I love your story. Uh, I think we could have dove deeper in, into some of the techniques you use. We only got an hour here, so uh, we're you know plan to see uh, Michael here again soon. It's it's been a great first guest, kind of just reiterating all the stuff we know to be you know successful here in the game. What you should be doing, you know, we're all we've all been there, right? The people struggling out there listening, uh, we've all struggled. And if you're not struggling, you're not doing it right, or uh, you're not you know, you're not following the path. Right. And, and that's what it is. And you got to struggle before you can get to the gold. You can't expect the gold just to be there. Uh, Michael, what's, what is the craziest deal you've done or craziest thing you've seen in real estate? I know it's probably a hard question because you probably see a lot of crazy shit out there in Vegas, uh, even probably in Nebraska as well. What would you say? Like looking back, um, I got put in somebody's will and that's the story I usually tell when I get that question. Wow. What, yeah, what is like the 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 story of like you know, give real estate in one story. All right. So, I want to preface it with this. So, I'm 
I don't leave my office. Okay. I, I, I get, I get the ability to work from home. My wife's at home and we are blessed to be able to do, to do that. So I don't walk properties like I used to in the beginning. So this doesn't apply to me walking a property, but it's a property that we bought and it is a bizarre situation. Um, the property was actually on the news and what <laughs> happened is this Must person had, oh, this is, this is fun, dude. This person had <laughs> over 500, um, exotic animals in this house, um, <laughs> over 500. Like I, I could send you the news article. We bought the house and everything. And what was crazy about it is, is I think he was like still living there. Like he had a basement just full of snakes and lizards and cats and you name it, like, like just everything. And so, uh, somebody caught wind, literally like the stink from the house. And it was in a nice neighborhood. It was like a $350,000 neighborhood house. And, um, they got busted and the guy was taken to jail and we ended up, uh, yeah, we ended up buying the house from him and, and, uh, now we're dealing with that. Um, probably one of the biggest rehabs to date. It's absolutely horrendous. I actually didn't want to buy the <laughs> I house. Imagine. I told right, my business got... partner, I'm like, dude, I want nothing to do with this house. <laughs> oh, now there's money to be made. I'm like, all right, like good luck dealing with that rehab because I, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> you got to, you got to replace the entire, uh, frame of the house cause the tiger ate it or, <laughs> and yeah. honestly, for, and right now I'm, I'm trying to figure out this, this, this story could either have taken place in Vegas or Nebraska, which, which one was it? Or take neither. a guess. I want to say Vegas just cause I hear Vegas is wild. I want to say it's Vegas, but if you tell me Nebraska, I, I will die right now. It was Nebraska actually. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh my Omaha, God. Omaha, Nebraska. That's crazy. I, I want to say that that's a Vegas story, but that's crazy. I feel like it should have been a Vegas story. I've, I've got more <laughs> for Vegas, but that's for another day. Classic. Awesome. Well, listen, Michael, again, I just want to say I appreciate you, bro. It's uh, it's always a pleasure, again, to, to see other people that have followed the same journey who just kind of reiterate the same things, being good, being a good person, doing the right thing by sellers, um, and just kind of trusting the process right it's it sounds cliche but you know putting in the hard work trusting the process and then eventually start to scale out and get bigger as problems start to become bigger and as you start to not be able to handle it which are good problems so again i just want to say i appreciate all the value you brought and just coming on here and uh you know i wish you the best of luck i wish 2023 it's it's, it's five to ten million and uh you know i want to see you start doing bigger things and uh again appreciate it that's right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Um, best of wishes to you. And, and um, yeah, thanks again for having me on. Appreciate it, man. And uh, just, just so everybody knows, we're going to be adding Michael here into the Discord uh, as active as he wants to be. Uh, he sounds like a busy man. Uh, but if you ever have any questions and you're out in the Midwest or you want to know more about it, um, again, no, we're not going to hold the gun to your head, Michael. If, if you do, uh, you know, get questions and you have time. Um, there are people that probably have some things they want to ask. Yeah, absolutely. Reach out. Happy to help. Uh, you can check me out on Instagram too. It's Michael McDonald REI connect with me there. I try to share a lot of my journey and, uh, give as much value away as I possibly can. So definitely check it out.